Hi, Matt Dwyer here, and I just want to plug my Patreon. If you have been enjoying Conversations with Dwyer, please become a Patreon subscriber. For five bucks a month, you get bonus content, blogs, uh, video to each episode. Sometimes I do bonus episodes with comedians talking about music. Five dollars a month. You can go to themattdwyer.com and find my Patreon button and join. It would greatly help the podcast, and you get to hear more conversation with my guests from Conversations with Dwyer. Thank you, and here is the episode. Hello and welcome to Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast. And speaking of music, that song that played me in is called Spark. It's from the album Sister Dynamite by the legendary Alice Bag, And that came out in May 8th, on May 8th, 2020 on In the Red Records. And in the show notes are all things Alice Bag and In the Red Records. So please go buy this on vinyl. Um, also, Larry Hardy, who owns In the Red Records, has been a guest on the show. It's one of my favorite labels. He sent me a shirt recently, so I thank him for that. But uh, In the Red Record is great. I've had a couple. Kid Congo was on the show. Um, And I know there's one other. I just, my brain isn't working. (laughs) Uh, I've been working on something that I hope I am allowed at some point to announce. Or if I don't announce it, it means it didn't happen, and I'm probably depressed and wishing I still drank alcohol. But anyway, Alice Bag, if you are for some reason unfamiliar with Alice Bag, she was in the very early LA punk scene, the first LA punk scene. Uh, she was in the bags, and then she's done a number of great solo work. We talk about all this stuff, and this is a really great episode. I also have an Alice Bag shirt, thanks to Larry Hardy from In the Red Records. Um, and I can't wait to wear it because it's got a really cool picture of Alice Bag on it. Anyway. Uh, this is a really great conversation. Uh, we talk about a lot of things. We, I, Proudly, I say, we talk about a lot of things we don't usually hear from Alice Bag. Um, it's one of the tricky things when I have somebody on, like her, who's so legendary and we know so much about her. I want to find something different to talk about and not ask the same questions, which we also talk about in this episode. So maybe I should just shut the hell up. But um, if, you, if you are a fan of Alice Bags and you like... Some of that old school punk, like I mentioned, Kid Congo has been on the show. I've had Danita, Danita Sparks from L7, uh, Brandon Canty from Fugazi, lots of old school punk folk, Wayne Kramer from the MC5, and a lot of new people. If you're not if you, if you're not new to the podcast, or if, actually if you're new, that would be the way. Uh, go to matt themattdwyer.com slash episodes, and you could scroll through and see all the past guests and binge on my show. It's commercial-free, at least for now. Hopefully, once in a while, there's a commercial. Anyway, so thank you very much for listening, and this is my conversation with the great, legendary, and who I love, Alice Beck. My husband and I have a travel YouTube channel about being punk expats in Mexico City. And we just tried this amazing pizza that has like combines pizza with like traditional Mexican flavors. Oh, so um, it had cochinita pibil, 
and the not too traditional Mexican flavor of Tennessee barbecue <laughs> on the other half. <laughs> that sounds incredible. <laughs> yeah, it was it was incredible. I could not believe those flavors. They were really I you'd think that's not gonna work on pizza, but it worked. It was really good. It's called I want to give him a plug, Perro Negro Pizza. So good. Uh, and that's in Mexico City? That's in Mexico City, yeah. So you got to come out here if you want to try these. They ha- I, got, I saw somebody getting one. Um, it was Chile Relleno Pizza, and it had like big chilies on top of the pizza. And I'm like, wait, that's just ridiculous. I would give it a try. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> I have I've always wanted to go to Mexico City. It's like I've it's like in tons of books I've read that are like, you know, by author and it's just like this magical place that I've yet to be. How what what brought you there? I like what made you get the fuck out of America? Not that I blame you. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually I'm not escaping America as many people seem to think. I have a 90-year-old, 98 year old aunt here and over the past few years I come to visit Mexico City pretty frequently in the last few years she's been like really insisting that I spend time with her and uh, we came earlier in 2021 right after pandemic um, and she grabbed me by the wrist and said I'm 98 years old you're not going to have me that much longer if you're ever going to spend time with me you better do it now and I really, I just went home with that. I couldn't stop thinking about that. My, um, my cousin died about a year ago, who was like the person that was closest to her. And I had always planned on spending time with her and I didn't do it. And I, you know, I regret it very badly. So I just talked to my husband and we decided now's the time. So we're out here hanging out with family, <laughs> making and hanging with new friends and just having a whole new existence, new experiences. I hear this. Really cool. Yeah, I hear the city is like just vibrant and very creative. Yeah, it, it's it's a huge city. It's uh, cosmopolitan. It's got everything. Um, it's bigger than L.A., I think. Uh, I think the only city that I feel like competes as far as like excitement goes is, is uh, Tokyo. I went to Tokyo a few years ago and I loved it. Um, and I thought like, okay, it's either Mexico City or Tokyo. <laughs> and then my my aunt said like the decision for me. So. Would have but, um, would have Tokyo been a, a, more of an escape from the United States? I think Tokyo just would have been, an, you know like me delving into like fantasies of what it would be like to, to live there. I just like exploring new places and experiencing new cultures and challenging myself because I'm not, I'm actually not a great person for like trying food that I've never heard of or, but I'm, I'm trying to be definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I, yeah, I grew up pretty sheltered food wise. And then I moved to Chicago and like, that was just like, there was, and then I started like just eating, trying things and overcoming that comfort zone is really what it is. It's fear and comfort for, was for me. 
Yeah. And it, it's not just food, you know, there's so many things like I don't have a car here, which is, you know, I grew up in LA. So not having a car was something that I had to really think about. Um, but I take public transportation everywhere and having to learn like the trolley bus uh, route and the bus route and the metro bus bus, uh, bus route and the metro route and all the all the different kinds of public transportation the micro bus there's a micro bus too so there's so many options and so many different stops and so many different prices and the coins look different (laughs) Uh, was that oh sorry go ahead no 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 it's just it's it's funny because the simplest thing turns into like okay it's a challenge i gotta have my brain on and i got to be willing to flex here and <laughs> figure out a way to do this. Are so, you, yeah. Is it getting easier? Because I know like I when I moved to New York for a while, like it's just like relearning a whole public, you know, transportation system is fucking intimidating and terrifying because you're like, I don't know, like if I get on the wrong train, I'm going to end up in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I have, I'm not really that afraid of ending up anywhere like I I've actually suggested to my husband let's just get on the trolley and see where it goes and then get off and take it back and we don't like where we end up you like a trolley but, uh, Kerouac yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me um the the cool thing about the trolley and the metro and the metro boost is that you get this like it's like a tap card you know in LA we have tap cards you just load them and then you tap the thing when you get in sensor and you're on but all the other little metro the the other little buses and the micro buses and the smaller like little vans they only take cash so you have to know your coins and you have to be ready with like and that is oddly the hard thing for me like being able to tell a one peso coin from a two peso coin because they're almost identical when you're in a hurry and there's line behind you counting out your change it's like being five years old again <laughs> that that would mess with my neurotic like anxious brain because uh, i already am like i have my keys out like two blocks before i get to my car which is just crazy <laughs> yeah i do that too i mean, I do it i do it because i was trained to do it for safety they're like okay take your keys out on your way to your car because if anybody tries to attack you, you stab them with the keys. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, has have you found it freeing not to have a car? Cause I fucking hate cars. I love not having a car. There are times when I wish like yesterday, I, there's like all these vendors everywhere. And I saw this cute little bench that I wanted to buy. And I thought, okay, if we had a car, I'd put that in my trunk and take it home right now. As it is, I have to think, like, is it going to fit in an Uber? Can I walk home with this? Or, like, how am I going to get this home? So <laughs> it becomes more of a challenge. It might save and some it, money. It, yeah, actually, it curtails that impulse buying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, because I'm glad that L.A. has gotten because I've been here 20 years and the public transportation has gotten considerably better in the, in the span that I've been here. Cause I just, I don't cars, man, they just drive me crazy. It's such a yeah. waste of dough. Yeah. I, I can't imagine sitting in that traffic anymore. I mean, it like, 
I do at times if we're far away from our apartment and it starts raining and it's the rainy season here. So that's not uncommon, but uh, we have caught Ubers now and then. And when we do, and we're sitting in traffic, I'm just so grateful that I'm in the back seat. See, <laughs> 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 checking my social media while the driver stresses out about traffic. Yeah. I just did my, when I lived in a life of public transportation, I read so many more books than I did once I got here and started driving around. And that was kind of pre like audio books that you could put on your phone. So it was like, Oh God, I, I remember those days. I used to go to the library and get the CDs, audio CDs. Oh yeah. I yeah. still have some, I think. Really? Yeah. I, th- I have a Toni Morrison book, which I can't, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And then you'd print up the, the Yahoo maps <laughs> that would go flying out your window. If you got right? too hot. <laughs> Map quest. I remember that. <laughs> Or the Thomas Brothers map books. Oh, yeah. I'm terrible. I'm terrible with maps. So those things were, I had one, but it was just like, it might as well have been written in like, you know, (laughs) Chinese or something. I'm just not that, I'm not a smart guy, Alice. I won't (laughs) lie to you. (laughs) You know what? There are things we do where we all feel like we're not very smart. And that's good. That challenges challenges us to step up and get smarter. (laughs) Yes. Um, have you felt a bit of a relief being outside of the States? Um, I just, I feel happy. I feel like every moment is something new. Like, I mean, like the things that I thought I could do the same, I can't do the same, even as basic as like cooking pasta and make, you know, like I have this pesto pasta that I love to make in LA and I realized, Oh, I use, Trader Joe's ingredients. I'm used to the Trader Joe's <laughs> flavor. <laughs> this particular vegan sausage that I like is not available here. And I tried, I bought one here and it tasted like, like just tofu. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want tofu. I want that vegan sausage taste that I get from my Trader Joe's sausage. So having to give up Trader Joe's is a challenge. Um, so, but I'm, relearning to cook and my husband who is now not working every day is also learning to cook luckily we have a friend out here who is a cookbook writer and has taken us food shopping and has given us personal lessons on how to prepare certain foods so that's really just something that we didn't expect and has turned out great for us we learned greg learned how to make this dish called nopalitos which is like sliced cactus with grilled onions and it's really good and really fresh and he learned how to make salsa tatemada and that's delicious so we're eating salsa all the time (laughs) (laughs) are you vegan i'm not vegan my uh two of my daughters are vegan and consequently i'm kind of accustomed to cooking vegan dishes i'm accustomed to eating vegan food but i totally i told you i had that cochinita pibil pizza and um there is a really great vegan taco place not too far from us and i love those tacos but i'm more than happy to also have like other regular tacos meat tacos um I do, you know, I'm also conscious that being vegan is also not just a dietary choice, but something that you do to try and help the environment. So I, I keep vegan options in my uh, weekly menu. 
Yeah. We became vegan for health reasons because we both got chubby. <laughs> my, uh, after my, my wife had a kid and I put on like sympathy weight as she calls it. And we both were like, but then it became because we went like months without it. Like I noticed I felt better. So we kind of just stayed cheese though, man. Cheese is a real hard. Oh one. man. Cheese is the hardest thing to give up. I went to a vegan restaurant yesterday um, and they gave me this nut cheese spread that was incredible. It was, I mean, it just tasted so rich and creamy, like cheese, but obviously it was not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I do vegan cheese really well in Mexico. They don't do it well here in the States because, like I said, I make pizza and I just like that's kind of my cheat because I'm like fake mozzarella. It's just like, I don't know. It just, the texture is really fucked up. Excuse my French yeah. there. Yeah, I, I'm, they also don't do vegan yogurt well. I know because I was eating a lot of yogurt at one point, and I'm like, I'm going to try vegan yogurt, and it just tasted like sour milk to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a brand called Kite Hill. I don't know if that's there. They, they do a really good fake ricotta, like you almost can't tell, and their cream cheese is really good. They should give me money for that plug, too. <laughs> I, I'm not that kind of guy, but, you know, if they want to throw it my way, I'll take it. <laughs> or free cheese. Oh, yeah, that that would work. Yeah. That would be great. Um, free cheese for life. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Would, I get excited about that. I grew up in Chicago where it's just all beef and cheese. Like, it's... Oh, my God. And that deep dish pizza. Yeah. If I, I always joke, if I still lived there, I'd be, like, 100 pounds heavier or dead, which is not even... <laughs> And a joke, like it's like I would be, because it's just no one lives like salads. There have like a ton of cheese and bacon. It's like this isn't a, this isn't any healthier. You, you're lying to yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's how I feel when I have like uh, one of those. What are they called? The um, God, I can't think. This morning, Cobb salad. Oh Cobb yeah, salad is my favorite. One of my favorite salads. Mine right? too. Cop salad and potato salad are two of my favorite salads. Like, okay, uh, not healthy, but delicious. German potato salad's a big one. And that's like, that's like you, I don't know if you've ever made German potato salad, but it's like you cook the bacon and then you toss the potatoes in the bacon <laughs> grease, which is delicious, oh, no. but also it's just like, you know, well, there goes six I months mean, of life. The, the whole idea of calling it salad is kind of, <laughs> oh, come on, let's not call it, let's call it something else. <laughs> yeah. I know this seems crazy, but is there a drastic difference between uh, the Mexican food that say you grew up with in LA to, to what is in actual Mexico? Cause I know like the Mexican food, I grew up in Chicago and then I moved to LA and I was like, Oh, I've been eating a fucking lie. This isn't like Chicago isn't Mexican food. And well, one thing I learned about um, CDMX, Ciudad de Mexico, is that um, they have people from all over the world and from all over Mexico. So you have the regional cuisines of different states here in Mexico, and they vary greatly. Like, you know, certain states, they major in, uh, in like, goat. Uh -huh. And so they will, like, their tacos are filled with goat and somebody else like might have, um, you know, majored in beef or majored in seafood or whatever. I mean, their, their cuisines, their regional cuisines 
focus probably on the regional ingredients. And so, and the way that they're prepared is different. Some places like to fry their tacos. Others have the little soft tacos. Um, it's same, like I think of like all the varieties of tamales, right? Some are in corn husks, some are in bananas, some are in paper. And it's just, um, there's just so much variety here that I hesitate to call anything like fake Mexican. Um, it, I mean, I feel like what I grew up with is I grew up with my mother's cooking and I feel like it's like elements that are represented here. Um, and she's from Chihuahua. So it's not, it's, there's a little bit of a difference. It's a different state. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't call any of it fake food. I think especially in Los Angeles, the kind of food that's in Los Angeles is similar to the kind of food that is in the Efe. Um, there are Tex-Mex uh, foods that seem to me feel a little bit different from what is served at the Efe, but I'm sure there are places in the Efe where it's, where it's, uh, where it's represented. Also, it's Tex-Mex, right? So you're expected to have a fusion of the two styles of the two countries. And I don't know. It's not, <laughs> it's not supposed to be Mexican food. It's supposed to be Tex-Mex. Yeah. I just like in Chicago, it was like just tons of cheese and sour cream. And it wasn't even like, it was just cheddar. Like it was, and this would be like, I think they just adapted to shitty Chicago chubby people yeah yeah i mean no 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 i mean not shitty chicago but i mean yeah to adapt to what is regional and that makes total sense right like you know if you got a lot of avocados your food's gonna have a lot of guacamole <laughs> yeah. I, sir, I, i'm sorry i woke up not too long ago i have a little cough and I've not had my coffee yet so please forgive me oh, as I cough into the microphone <laughs> and sip my coffee <laughs> well I didn't expect to talk to a punk legend for 20 minutes about food so <laughs> oh, I'm sorry <laughs> no I'm thrilled I love when things take this David Yao and I talked about his chili recipe for like 10 minutes on the show once and I was just like unexpected and that's exactly what I want you pro you'd probably get asked the same stuff over and over don't you I do. That gets. <laughs> I do. Like I, because I notice it because I try to do as much research as I possibly can, and I watched your um, uh, uh, interview with. Uh, now I'm I'm totally flaking on her name uh, from La Butcherette. It was uh, Terry. 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 Yes, Terry it was like I could see it, but and it, which was by the way, she was so charming and wonderful as an interviewer. I was like, uh, enamored. I adore her. I love her so much. She's She's fantastic. And that interview was just like, I was like, but I was like, I watched that and I was like, well, I can't cover any of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I know because I spoke to her in the green room beforehand. She's like, I've been studying. I was doing my research on you before I asked, before I, <laughs> I do the interview. So it was really, I was really happy to do that interview. It's always nice to do an interview where people don't ask you like, what do you do? <laughs> like, <laughs> like some, like they've obviously been assigned an interview and they have no idea about anything about you. And then it's like, okay, well, I was born this poor girl in East LA. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it, just because I watch so many interviews trying to prepare because I don't want to do that. And I don't, I'm like curious why a lot of interviewers, 
and I'm sure I have things in my notes, but I like, I try to like shove those off to the side and just be like, we'll see where we go. And if I have to ask that horrible question, you've been asked. A thousand. <laughs> but so punk rock, no, I was kidding. <laughs> but uh, how, what, what, how do you feel when that happens? Like, do you have to just sort of play nice or do you ever just be like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Cause I would, that would be a struggle. I would imagine having to cover the same shit over and over. Oh no, I, I never feel like, you know, I feel like if somebody invites me and I agree to go on the show, then I should be willing to answer the questions. Um, I have had people interview me before and assume certain things about me. And that can be, it can be annoying and it at times can be offensive. Um, like I remember an interviewer asking me why I hadn't been as successful as other people in the punk scene. And I felt like, well, you're assuming that I define success by like how much money I make or how many followers I have on my social media. And that's not how I define success. So, uh not a good question. Yeah. Um, you know, to assume that someone thinks of themselves as a failure. <laughs> yeah. The, de- the definition of success, because I get the, a lot of the same thing because when I started, I started doing theater in Chicago at second city and some of my friends became wildly successful. <laughs> it's like, you know, like Oscar winning multimillionaire successful. And I'm, you know, wherever I am, but I'm like, I don't see that as unsuccessful just because I can't buy a yacht. I also right. am, would get seasick, so I don't really want a yacht. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that the definition of success is if you're happy with your life and with the choices you've made, right? And then what better success is there than that? Because a lot of people could have riches and fame and glory and might not be successful. They might be unhappy with their choices. They might be in situations that they regret. So I think it's important to measure each of us for, for each of us to measure our lives by our own yardstick and decide like I made the choices I wanted to make. I'm in the situation where I want to be. And if you're not in the situation where you want to be that, you know, that, you know, you have the tools to, to change it. Yeah. And we always have the tools to change it. (laughs) Yeah. It seems to like, it seems like people define sex success based on, (laughs) what did I, was I, did I say sex? Yes. (laughs) Freud would have a heyday. Uh, but like it's by very capitalistic in this of how we measure success, and I don't. Const- I surely am not a capitalist because you know I drive a used car. <laughs> well, I have to say that is one difference that I've noticed here in Mexico too. Is that people don't start off by asking you, "Hi, what do you do?" <laughs> like we do in in uh, the U.S. or um, to talk about finances. It's like really not important. It's like who you are and the way you treat people seems to be the only kind of measure of a person here. And it's very refreshing. That's, that seems like, cause it's amazing to me how many people are open about what they got paid. Can you cut out the, I'm sorry. Can you cut out the parts where I'm cleaning oh. my nose? <laughs> well, most, this mostly goes out audio. I just used the uh, video for, uh, um, okay. Like I was, I, if you if you permit, I'll use a video portion of the video for like 
on YouTube, like as a promo thing, but I don't. Oh, okay. Here's your thumbnail. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't, I don't do it unless you, if I get consent, because I I wouldn't shove something on the internet without, some people do. And I'm just like, you're an asshole. Like, you you can't do that. Um, Of course. But also, and you've probably seen this, like people who I think there's one of their main goals of their creative life is to be famous. I've never seen that end too well for a lot of people. Like yeah. it, it becomes like another form of like addiction from what I've seen. And my, I have a friend who is obsessed with his, where he's at. And it's like, we can't get lunch without that becoming part of the conversation. I'm like, what a, that's suffering. Yeah. I, I yeah, I agree. It's like, how do you ever get enough of that? How do you ever, I don't know. I mean, but it's just not important to me. (laughs) (laughs) I have, you know, and I I have wondered at times, it's like, wow, would I be, would I be in a better place if I had, uh, um, you know, stuck with this band long after I felt like it's not being creative anymore. Cause I think a lot of a band's success is just staying together and playing and like, until people become familiar with your music. And I always feel like if there's no joy in it, that's my, <laughs> that's my cue to exit. Uh, or if there's not enough joy in it, because you have to give up other things in your life to pursue something. Um, so I don't know. So far, I'm happy with my choices. I haven't like just stayed uh, in situations where I felt um, I wasn't being creatively stimulated anymore. I always just, it's like, it's like any relationship, right? When it starts feeling like you're not. (laughs) (laughs) That laugh, you certainly know I I, I understand what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) If there's no joy, you gotta leave. Yeah. Did you, have you ever stayed in anything like creatively that beyond the point where it was satisfying? No, I haven't. That's, you know, and that's where I think like, wow, I wonder if I'd be more successful if I had stayed in that band a little bit longer because we were doing well, but it just wasn't that exciting for me anymore. Um, I also, I mean, I have my taste in music changes all the time. It's constantly evolving and that's what makes it fun for me. And if if I was doing music that felt like, you know, oh, that doesn't interest me as much anymore then uh, I think I would I would be untrue to myself uh, that's why I feel like I'm successful <laughs> <laughs> I agree like to me that I totally agree and it's like I would rather be and I've always I'd rather be happy and have free time or time that is my own rather than be loaded financially yeah yeah yeah, I mean, I, and also think being loaded is kind of a relative thing, right? It's like, can you provide shelter that you're happy in? Can you like, uh, can you feed yourself? <laughs> can you do exciting <laughs> new things? I mean, it, it really is something that's relative because um, I, I realize now I'm living in Mexico on a budget that's much, much smaller than I have had for years or like because I was a teacher and, and teachers don't get paid that much but I was able to but it, it was more money than I'm making now and um, 
And then my husband was employed and, and he made good money and now neither of us are working. But I am I feel like I can do lots of things that I couldn't do when I was working. Now I can like go out during the day, walk around the city, explore Mexico, go eat at like little restaurants that I pass along the way. I mean, there's just <laughs> like, I think we're grateful every day. Um, two or three times a week, we walk to the center of Coyoacan and just sit in the park and eat ice cream. <laughs> 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 they make these delicious ice creams here. That's like, it's one of the things that they're known for in Coyoacan is their helados and nieves. And um, it's, I, I mean, you know, you said when you, that living in, in Chicago, you felt like you were going to gain a lot of weight. <laughs> Walking to the park and having ice cream three times a week is it might do me in. But there is the long walk there, which is very pleasant. I walk a lot here, so yeah. that's, I feel like I earn it. That's what I miss about, like, I hated living in New York, but I loved that I walked. And same in Chicago, except when it was like, 30 below but I walked so much that I felt like okay I can eat a pound of beef a day because <laughs> yeah no I do I feel like you know what I walk I just walked all this way to the center of town to be like 45 minutes to get there I can have my ice cream and enjoy it without any thoughts of like I'm gonna gain weight although I might but <laughs> Uh, but I'm I also, not too worried about it I feel like that way the way you're living is I feel like that's more the way we're supposed to be. I mean, I think most people resent and begrudge sitting in a cubicle all day. Like I, I'm sure there's some people who, I don't know. I, I don't understand them, but find that worthwhile <laughs> and I don't judge that, but I'm like, I feel like most people in their innate spirit want to be free and want to, you know, I feel like that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, I agree with you. I think people get trapped into feeling like, well, I can't because I have a mortgage. I can't quit my job because I have a house payment or I can't quit my job because I have to put my kid through school. And there's lots of good reasons that people can find to, you know, to continue to work. But I also think there there are little escape routes along the way where you can maybe work less hours or maybe take, you know, take some time off and like live your life in between there, <clears throat> live a different kind of life. Um, I've heard of people like, you know, um, taking a year off and working, like deciding I'm going to take, I'm going to work five years, put aside a certain amount of money like maybe 20% of your salary, which might be undoable for, for some people. But, um, you know, maybe live a simpler lifestyle, work five years, take that sixth year off with the money that you saved, with the 20% that you saved each year without having to, you know, completely quit your job. But having that experience of like, you know, this one year I'm going to travel or I'm going to spend it uh studying something that I want to study or learning to fly or whatever your dream is, like allowing yourself time to, to live your life, the life that you really want for yourself that doesn't include just like paying the bills or that doesn't limit itself to just paying the bills. Yeah. I was thinking about that this morning because my thirties were spent 
pretty pretty fucking off we'll say <laughs> it's like i worked in a bar a couple days a week in downtown la i'd make some money off of commercials and then i would write and be creative and day drink and do some other sinful things <laughs> Yay, day drinking yeah. <laughs> but like and and having been a bartender in downtown la i got a lot of free drinks around the city so that was a bo- <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i was like i was thinking like and during that time i would think like oh man i'm not really doing much about my retirement but i'm like everyone in this country spends their life working their fucking ass off then they get 65 70 and they retire but i'm like you can't enjoy anything a lot of people can't i mean some are god bless or i'm an atheist i don't know why i said god bless (laughs) 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 but like you know like i i probably when i'm 70 i'm probably gonna have some issues because of all the day drinking i did in my 30s but it's like you can't enjoy (laughs) (laughs) i might be tell me so i know (laughs) i might be wetting myself there might be (laughs) but like that's not enjoying life i mean it's great that you're retired and you can have free time but it's like you should enjoy that free time when you can actually really enjoy it that was a long ramble i apologize no not at all (laughs) (laughs) Are you? Do you plan on returning to the states, or is this it? Are you done? Uh, I never like to make really super permanent plans. I'm here for my aunt, and uh, I want to spend time with her as long as I can. And um, I don't know if I'll come back to the states. Right now, I'm really happy here. We have. Um, I mean, I, I grew up in LA. I have loads of friends there, and I miss them. I have family there um so i don't know but i also am having a wonderful time here and i'm gonna enjoy this time here for as long as i can i know what's in store (laughs) (laughs) i'm just living my life day to day really i it really is a different thing you know we wake up in the morning make our coffee and go like well what do you want to do today god that's great that sounds great to me it is a it's really great and it's really kind of strange i think we're still getting used to it um so we are trying to make a little list of things that we want to do just i'm used to i'm used to having a daily schedule and crossing off things as i do them and i feel good and productive when i get things done so it's really strange not having that list and just going like Okay, well, let's go to my aunt's and then maybe uh, walk over towards that restaurant. Maybe we'll take the bus after that and go downtown. And you know, <laughs> that, I, I think we need some. I need. I think we need some coffee filters. Let's walk for a couple miles and buy some coffee filters, or you know, something ridiculous like that. Where you're just like, okay, that sounds. Let's it, coast. Yeah, that sounds just great to me. I mean, I'm like. That's to me. That's the perfect life. Like I don't get bored. Like just having free time. I'm like I'm not one who's like oh, I'm bored. I'm like I'll walk around. That'll that's good enough for me. Yeah, I mean I think that is really good. But I do have. I feel like for me, one of the things I like to do is I like to feel a sense of accomplishment. I feel like this is kind of cruising, and I enjoy it because I haven't done it before. But I think at some point I want to either do something creative and produce something, generate something creative that feels like I am interacting with the world as 
a creative being, not just as a like a visitor. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Our, yeah, and generating I, something. Because I was going to ask if this, if you're feeling inspired, or if you feel like uh, uh, this is while you're doing this, if it's something is ruminating in the back of your head that might uh, turn out to be a book or music or anything. Well, originally when I moved out here, I had um, I thought I just finished teaching a class at Oxy, and I thought, oh, I'm going to take my notes that I wrote for this class and uh, and write a book about the music and how it can change, how it can have political and social significance and how it can make create real change in the world. And uh, I brought my notes. I haven't written anything since I got here. But yesterday I was walking down a street in Coyoacan and I saw this restaurant called Migajitas, which means uh, crumbs or breadcrumbs, right? And I thought, oh, I have a song called Breadcrumbs. Like, what if I translate it into migajitas? So yesterday morning when I was having my coffee, or I'm sorry, <laughs> yes, it was the day before yesterday. And yesterday morning when I was having my coffee, I just started writing um, the Spanish version of the song Breadcrumbs. Um, so it's called migajitas. <laughs> so like a little thing. <laughs> but I feel like I little things feed into bigger. Th like I think you know, yeah. at least for me, creatively, like I have to do little things always, and then someday everything hopefully converges into one bigger thing. Yeah, I I've, I have friends here who are um, musicians who are doing creative things and have invited me to come over and work on a song with them or um, or play a song with their band or something. So I might be doing some of that. But right now, I'm just kind of coasting and seeing where each day, where each day takes me. Oh, wait. And I have a shameless plug for please. my YouTube channel, please. Our YouTube channel is ex, uh, Punk Expats in Mexico. See, I can't even think of a name. Punk Expats in Mexico. And we are chronicling our journey, like just giving you giving people uh, we want to give our friends like little snapshots of what we're doing but also if there's anything that we learn we want to share it with you also yeah and i have seen that i take that back because i said i didn't but sometimes my brain i have kids sometimes i don't sleep <laughs> so, so you know and so at last night was one of those nights where it's like somebody's screaming somebody's coming into bed all that kind of shit but um and you do you have two two daughters is that what I, I have uh, two stepdaughters who grew up with me. So they're, you know, they, I had them since they were three and five. And then uh, Greg and I, my husband, Greg and I had our own daughter um, a couple of years after that. And so I have three daughters. Yeah. I have two daughters and I, uh, but they're not little. No. <laughs> Mine are. <laughs> they don't crawl into bed with me. <laughs> no, mine's one, a little over one, and one's about to be six in a few months. So it's, and it's. Uh, That's wonderful. I know, I know it's exhausting, but one day you're going to look back and just be so grateful for those times when they come into bed with you. Or like, I still, like, because I'm far away from my kids now, I think of like little, I think about them all the time and little things that they do when they were little. And, you know, even just holding them is, um, is a really nice memory. Yeah. My, my daughter always says, she's like, I'll hug her. And she's like, you squeeze me too hard. And it's like, it's cause I love you. Like it is literally just me like, Oh, like it's just love. I don't mean to squeeze.
squeeze her too hard. <laughs> but it's like, you, it's, and it's, did you, when you raise them, I would, I'm assuming that there was a, a lot of your creativity and did you see that influence them at all in your music? Um, I, I'm not sure how it influenced them. I was a teacher and for most of that time I was a teacher in kindergarten and preschool. So we did a lot of little art projects. So we like, I think, it, I think they grew up in a creative environment and my, um, my middle daughter, uh, Chelsea is a singer. Uh, she's a fabulous singer. I, she also, she does other things, but I always, I will always think of her as a singer first and I, I hope she pursues that, but that's her, you know, I, I have to resist the urge to, to put my pressure on her. <laughs> she do what she wants. Do what you want, Chelsea. Don't listen to me. Yeah. That's how we're trying to raise our kids to be open to, it's like, whoever you are is who you are. And we are here to guide that, but I can't yeah. help but be like, but, and we definitely put an emphasis on create because I need my wife and I both are creative and we didn't get a lot of encouragement at home from that. And we want to make sure our kids feel safe in that world, like express yourself and all that. But if they don't want to be like, just as long as they don't like join sororities and become Republicans, I'm, I'm pretty cool. <laughs> but well, you know, there's, I, I think sometimes as people who are creative uh, as artists, musicians, writers, you have to give your children permission to do that stuff because I think they get so many messages at school, like study for your SATs, go to college, follow these, you know, preset paths to what is considered success by society. And it never means like just doing your artwork and, uh, you know, maybe just barely having enough to pay the bills, which is sometimes the life of an artist, but that doesn't mean they're not a successful artist. And I think we have to be able to give that message to our children that it's okay to just follow your dreams. And uh, sometimes you might struggle, but following your dreams is more important. Yeah, so. I fully agree. And I, it's weird because I, I came, I studied theater and like sort of sketch comedy theater and it's weird because I went part of the reason I went into that is because I didn't want to go that route of like college and nine to five job but I found a lot of the same mentality within that world of like this is how your career should go and it seems really fucked up to me it's again that capitalism yeah yeah capitalism is like so deeply ingrained in our society that I think sometimes we don't even see it like it, we become unaware of it but you notice it when you go to a different country. Like I notice it now that I'm here in Mexico and it's not as big a deal, like how pervasive it is and how we judge people um, based on how much money they appear to make. I was talking to my husband the other day about how um, I was watching Project Runway one day and it went from like people judging a, a design to say it looks expensive and I'm like what does that mean it looks expensive why does that why is that a design element that you have to worry about yeah like because people are judging how much money you make or whether you can afford this piece instead of saying this is a real that looks really cool if it it's comfortable or it's beautiful so you know I I just it's um it's really distasteful for me now to to think back on how many times that has crept into our um, our criteria of what is worthy and what is good 
Yeah, I remember like my mom, who a decent woman, but very judgmental. <laughs> it's like, but like those judgments of people's appearances and like what people like. Oh, look at they drive a shitbox car, and it's like I I have have often driven a shitbox car, and it's like. I don't care. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, this is just to get me to A and B. It's not some extension of my phallus or ego. <laughs> it's like, I don't exactly. fucking care. But it's like so weird. And But that shit, I will st- still see people in shitty cars and be like, even when I was in a shitty car and be like, oh, that's too bad. But it's like, just because it's so like uh-huh. brainwashed and I hate, I yeah. hate it. And I don't want my, and I can see and with my kids, like them picking up stuff. And it's like really... It's like, who the fuck? It's just terrible to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know what? What's a good cure for that is like taking public transportation in Mexico City. <laughs> <laughs> and then you look at that, somebody in that, you're standing there crowded next to somebody else holding onto a bar and thinking like, that shit car, that shit box car looks really comfortable right now. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like, like I felt that way in New York. It's like New York at least all people of all walks of life take the train. And I think that really, really forces a different perspective for the city where I, it's, I feel like with Los Angeles, so many people are locked in their car. Like when people would tell me like LA is an ugly city, I was like, it's not. Cause I would walk around a lot. I would walk to work and it's like, it's a beautiful city, but people become so disconnected because they're just in their cars all the fucking time. Yeah. I, um, recently I was walking through my neighborhood and this older gentleman came out with a bicycle, right? And he's, and he looked at us and he said, Oh, excuse me. He said, I have to get to a house call and it's faster to take the bike. (laughs) This thing was a doc with his little, with his little case, his little doctor's case. And he just like, he, and he was older than me. I don't know, like, like 75 or 80. Right. And he's on his bicycle, just hauling ass tears out and goes to his house call, which I thought was like, my mind was blown. Cause when have you seen a doctor in the United States hopping on a bike to go make a house call? They make house calls here. Yeah. Is that wild? How is the healthcare system there? Is it, it's free. <laughs> it's, Jesus fucking It's free. Um, and if you're not a citizen, because I've been here before on a tourist visa, um, going, the, uh, most pharmacies have a little clinic area, sort of like, I know we have Minute Clinic in the United States or, you know, you know Walgreens, I think, and CVS both have those little clinics. Well, most pharmacies here have that. And to see a doctor for just like, you know, a minor thing is... Uh, 50 to 60 pesos, which is um, 250 to $3. That's fucking insane. Yeah. And it's infuriating. You get your, yeah, and then you get your prescription filled there. Um, if you are a citizen or a permanent resident or maybe even a temporary resident, you can get um, bigger things covered because healthcare for those people is free. I'm a citizen. So now I get free healthcare, which is just a wonderful, so if you come back wonderful to, feeling. If you come back to LA, you just have to drive to Tijuana every time you need a chance, <laughs> which financially is still better. If, if, even if you get a nice hotel. Yeah. I, I, uh, when during, um, 
quarantine in 2020, I was still an American citizen. And, oh, I am an American citizen. I'm a, I'm a dual citizen, but I didn't have my Mexican citizenship at the time. And I had had a dental problem. Um, and I thought I was going to need an implant. And I started looking online and I realized that there is a place on the border of um, Arizona and Mexico, it might even be, I'm not sure if it's California or Arizona, but it's a place called Algodones and they call it Molar City. <laughs> and the whole city is uh, like just a bunch of dental offices that, and it's geared towards catering to Americans who can't afford the high cost of dentistry in the United States. And they can get like inexpensive implants, like dental implants and, um, or like bigger pieces or just whatever dental work you need, you can get it done there. So God, it's, it's so fucking infuriating. Yeah. I, uh, why, why don't we have it? I mean, Canadians have it. Mexican have Mexicans have it. Why can't everybody have healthcare in the United States? I, it's in, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, uh, it's like we, we have my, we've struggled financially. Like we had a rough few years, like, a, and like this year is the first time I've had some like good luck career wise. So we were financially better off, but it's like, we've relied on state health insurance. Like my two, the birth of my two children was covered 100% by the state because we were so low income. Thank God. <laughs> but I'm like, it's almost better. I'm almost better off being broke and having health insurance than making like 60,000 a year where I'll have to pay who the fuck knows what health insurance will be for four people? Like it's that's insane. The, that's the problem because if you are working enough to just enough to you know pay the bills, then you might you might work yourself right out of health insurance or whatever other like government assistance you might qualify for. So either they need to raise the minimum wage, or make people make it worth it for people to work, um, and also to provide healthcare for everyone so that that never becomes an issue. Like people should have, they, they we shouldn't be worried about that. You know, healthcare is a national concern. It's, it shouldn't be an individual concern. And maybe I'm not paying attention, but I feel like with Biden as president, it has not been as prevalent of a subject. And I'm like, where the fuck did this go? Like, why are we not? Yeah. When we, when we, I say we, I, I'm a dirty fucking leftist and no one represents me in this. <laughs> but I'm like, the, the, they have both houses and the, and I'm like, where the fuck is this conversation? Like it is just non-existent. And it, yeah. and I'm like, nothing has been done. So that doesn't say, many positive things about the democratic party to me yeah yeah i think we just you know we have to remain i think unfortunately we get very politically engaged when there's you know an obvious despot in charge and we want to react to that but as soon as things get a little bit better we become complacent and we can't afford to we need to no. keep pushing yeah there was i saw somebody online say that i mean that uh social move the democratic party is where social movements go to die and it's it's i do feel like the whole police like it's like they just 99 to 0 voted to punish cities that defund the police and i'm just like fuck off like fuck right off <laughs> 
excuse my anger. No, no, I, I relate. I just feel like, you know, there's a lot of pressure on politicians to move towards the center constantly, right? To yeah. like, so I think people have to organize and continue to put pressure on them if you want them to move in the direction that you want them. Um, and there's just no, there's no break. There's no, like, this is a, like, I think sometimes we think like this is an election year, or let's get involved for this particular election. And then we take a break, but can't, we can't afford to. No, no. I know you got politicized during punk, but when you got into punk, were you politicized? Were you already a politically aware person or was there something that, cause I know I talked to kid Congo on the show and I know he, during his time in punk, he became politicized. And I was just curious where that was with you. I also became political politicized through punk. I think there are elements of my personal politics that were um, shaped by growing up in East LA, by being a Chicana, um, and also seeing my father be abusive towards my mother, I think turned me into a feminist. Uh, so those are elements that were already brewing in me. I think the whole idea of organizing and working with other people to create uh, social outcomes, that was something that happened during punk when I realized this isn't beyond me. You know, I think the thing that happens with punk is that you learn that you don't have to have special training. All you need is people who are interested in creating change and are committed to doing it and you can do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's that simple, really. Right. It's, as ba it's, it's basic as like seeing that there's no, yeah, it's great if you know the tools of like, you know, changing politics, you can follow those rules. You know, it's like, like you can learn to play the guitar with a teacher or you can learn by yourself. And it's the same with politics. You can learn by following someone else's plans, by saying like, okay, these are the methods to reach my representative. And you can, you can follow that path or you can get a crowd of your friends who think like you do, organize them and create, do a march or write a song or make a film. Um, there's a lot of ways to create change. And if you are someone who maybe doesn't feel comfortable running for office or organizing a march or, you know, going through the usual methods, um, these other creative venues, these other creative um, outlets can also be of tremendous, tremendous power and impact. I think a lot of times that those are the places where people get the fuel to, um, to even run for office, right? Like I've heard people say that they're inspired by music or by um, film. And then they decide to, okay, I'm gonna study law or I'm going to run for office or do whatever it is that they're doing. Right. The, the fuel is really in the emotion and the emotion comes a lot of times from the arts. Yeah, I feel like we need social or I can't anti what counterculture. We need a counterculture. Sometimes my Chicago uh, ways of articulating really fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> we're not so well, I know we're grammar Sorry, fucked up there. Um, I did wanted to ask you cause you mentioned your father and I, 
I feel like I, I relate because I had a pretty shitty relationship with my father as well. And there was, he wasn't abusive towards my mother, but he was definitely abusive towards myself and my siblings. So I get that, that complex relationship, but he also encouraged you a lot, which yeah was, um, Oh, go ahead, Sorry. No, I was just going to say I was my father's only child. So he, I think he put, um, the kind of expectations on me that a father usually would put on a firstborn son. And, um, Basically, my dreams had to be bigger. My aspirations should not be limited by anything, by my gender or my ethnicity or <laughs> anything. So I felt like, like I remember my father telling me, you can be president of the United States when I was like just a little kid. And I thought, oh yeah, I can be president of the United States. It wasn't until I grew older that I realized like, well, maybe or maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the complex situation like with my father and I feel like there is and my father died when I was 13 and it was a very rough situation too but it's like without that I don't become who I am so there's like this I'm fucked up yeah. but I'm also grateful and it is a and I feel like as I got older I understood the complexities of his anger better but as a kid you just you just walk around raw yeah, I feel like I got, you know, a lot of anger from uh, witnessing my father beat my mother and also a real determination not to let that happen to me, which made me strong. But I also got a lot of encouragement from my father, that idea that like I could be anybody I wanted to be uh, really has stuck with me. I feel like I have a really strong sense of who I am and I have um, a lot of self-confidence when I enter any situation. I feel like, well, I'm as good as, as the next person. And if the person next to me is able to accomplish that, then I probably will be able to accomplish it as well. <laughs> yeah. I also like... And, um, it may be a fantasy, but it, it works for me. You know, just, I think a lot of times just telling yourself, like just believing in yourself is is a huge part of surmounting whatever obstacle you have to surmount. Yeah. Those motherfuckers who can fake confidence, man. I tell you, like, I couldn't fake it. <laughs> but it's like, I had to earn it. But there's people who could just front that and it seems to carry them far. Yeah, I, I don't feel like I fake it either. Oh, I feel I like I actually... Yeah. No, yeah, I feel like I actually have it. I feel like I feel... I feel strong. I feel capable of making change. I feel capable of impacting my surroundings and the people around me. As a matter of fact, I know I impact my surroundings and the people around me. Um, so I have to be careful not to, not to abuse that power and to use that power carefully. And I think that's a more, um, that's something that you master as you get older. Hopefully I'm still learning. <laughs> I'm still trying to, um, because a lot of times we live as though like I'm me, I'm going to do whatever I want. And you don't think about how your actions affect other people. But as you grow into power, you know, that everything you do does affect people around you. Yeah. Is it, is it wild to you that like watching the interview with, uh, I, 
I'm fucking up her name again. Terry? Terry. I don't know why. I that, But uh, to see someone f- from the other uh, younger generation of musicians who completely admires you, like you're, you're a legend and iconic to a lot of people. Is that... Is that something you ever imagined would be like people? <laughs> no. <laughs> Frankly, no. <laughs> I mean, when I was very young, when I was in high school, I thought I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be a rock star. And one of the reasons I wanted to be a rock star was so that I could influence people and I could like, um, I could make the world better in a very simplistic high school <laughs> sort of worldview that I had. Um, and it's changed, but I think I, now that I feel like there are people who are listening to what I say, now I realize it's not just like, it's not that easy. You have a responsibility to people. Um, I, I can't just like get drunk and spew a bunch of venom. <laughs> Although at times I do get drunk and steal a bunch of venom <laughs> around people that are close to me and know me really well and know like, oh, she's mad about this. That's why she's, but, um, but I think I have to be more thoughtful um, and, and realize that my, I mean, I think we all need to realize that words have power and they're not just, you can't just, <laughs> you can't just let them out of your head and out of your mouth and, imagine that they're not going to have an impact because they do. So think carefully, choose carefully. Yeah. Anytime you want to come back, I would, I could do this all day. So please. I really had fun. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for listening to conversations with the wire. Please become a Patreon subscriber. If you like also subscribe to the show on your iTunes or what have you not, and tell your friends about the show. That would mean a lot to me. As well as uh, go to the link tree in the show notes or themattdwyer.com or Conversations with Dwyer at the Instagram, and you could learn more about the show, buy merch, and all those great things. Thank you very much for listening.